God ever give you a message at the gas station? <laughs> Whoo, you're good, Daddy. Whew, the presence. The presence of the Lord. Whoo. Awesome God. Awesome God. Awesome God. Awesome God. Awesome God. No. God told me something about you all. <laughs> Woo! Bless your name, Father. I went to the gas station. Pump gas. There was this little dog in the next truck over. He was raising mortal cane. He was barking. Rah, rah, rah. I said, if that dog gets out of that truck, he's going to tear somebody up. That dog just kept on barking and barking. And it, well, he weighed 15 or 20 pounds at the most. Little tiny dog. So I was just there looking at him, pumping the gas. The guy next to me, he's trying to calm the dog down. He said, oh, be quiet. It's okay. You're all right. And uh, he looks at me and he says, that crazy dog. He said, one time, he, see, or he said, he sees that German shepherd over there. So third truck over, there was a German shepherd there, a big old thing, looking like he didn't have a neck. And uh, he said, "That dog, if I let him out of here, he's going to get. He don't. He's going to attack that German shepherd." Then that man told me, he said, "That little dog jumped on a bull mastiff one time. Said ripped his butt up. That's what he said." I said, "Yeah." He said, yeah, it cost me $5,000 to get that dog sewed up. $5,000. So I thought about that. And you know, the Lord was like, he's wanting to tell me something. I thought, what is it, God? And I got home. Here's what he told me. <laughs> I looked at the, up a bull mastiff. A bull mastiff is a guard dog. Weighs 110 to 130 pounds. That little feist dog, I call him a feist, it was just a mutt. Weighed 20 pounds probably at the most. How do you get a 20 pound dog, little feist, to jump on something that's five or six times his size and tear it up so bad it takes $5,000 worth of veterinary bills to fix him? Here's what God told me. <laughs> he said, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Do you feel like you're outnumbered? Do you feel like you're outgunned? Do you feel like you're outmaneuvered? Do you feel like God has even forsaken you? Do you feel like the whole world is against you? You're the little feist dog. There may be a bull mastiff out there. But he's no match for you. Because there's something inside of you that's not inside of that bull mastiff. There's something inside that little feist dog that he couldn't help himself. He had to attack something that was five times his size. He couldn't stop until he defeated the bull mastiff. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. This is supposed to be a four-story sermon. <laughs> <laughs> 
or 40 story. I can't remember what the 37th story was. 40, 36. We'll make it four story. <laughs> Maybe three. Let's go on to Jesus. Well, I better do David. You know who David was? Little shepherd. Well, no, he wasn't really a boy. He was a young man, probably 17, 18 years old. He was uh, at his father's keeping sheep. His father sends a servant up there. Well, Tom. Tom gets up there and says, Dave, your dad wants you at the house. He's got something for you to do. Dave, he goes back to the house. You know, he's in a hurry. He gets there. His dad's named Jesse. He said, yes, father. What you need? He said, here. Here's some roasted wheat, some bread, and some cheeses. Take it down to the fight. The Israelites was lining up against the Philistines. They were in a fight. So David, you know, he's about 17, 18. He's, he's probably thinking, oh, this is going to be great. I get to go see the fight. So he gets on his donkey, you know, he throws everything. He's spurring that donkey along. Come on, boy. And he gets down there. And just about the time that he, they're going to the Valley of Elah, there's a mountain over here. The Philistines are all lined up on top of the mountain. There's a mountain on this side. And the Israelites are all lined up on this side of the mountain. And down in the middle of the Valley of Elah, there's a little creek, a little brook. So David, he gets there just about the time the Bible says they was given a shout for war. Rah! They was getting torqued up. They was getting themselves hyped up for war. They was getting their adrenaline pumping. They was all hollering and shouting. They had their swords and their shields and they was clanking them together, you know. And they was all shouting. So all the Israelites, they let down their spears and they start marching down the mountain one at a time. Because it makes them make a big noise because it's supposed to scare the enemy. They're going down the mountain. So all the Philistines, they're giving a shout to And they're all going to meet in the middle. And just about the time the Israelites get to the base of the mountain, Somebody, the ranks split between the Philistines. And out steps this giant. And you know what the Israelites do? They start screaming them, and the Bible says they ran from him. Out steps a huge man. He's ten and a half to twelve feet tall. His name is Goliath. He's a giant, and the sons of the giant. He comes out, and he starts defying the armies of Israel, making fun of them. He didn't care about their God. He thought he was a God. He was a giant. The Bible says he had on a brass helmet. He had on brass covered over his legs. He had on a coat of mail like metal plates that reflects with you. And they said the coat of mail weighed 150 pounds. That's just to start with. Then he had a, a shield bearer that walked in front of him and all his job was to do was carry the shield in front of Goliath. And then... To beat that, he had a javelin on his back, a sword on his side, and he also had a spear. The Bible says the spearhead weighed about 15 pounds, and the shaft of it was like a weaver's beam. It weighed about 40 pounds. Can you imagine getting hit with a 60-pound spear or a 55-pound spear? If you got hit with that, it wouldn't have to be sharp. It would kill you from the blow. That's how big this man was. So if you don't think that's much, when you go home, you go in there to the laundry room, you get the detergent bottle, and you put it up on top, make sure the lid's on it. You take the broom and you stick in the end of that and you pick that thing up see if you can pick it up with one hand. That's how big Goliath was. So Goliath comes and he starts mocking the armies of Israel. 
he starts making fun of them. He said, I tell you what, I'm a Philistine. I'm the champion of the Philistines. You send out one man, instead of us all killing and fighting each other, we'll make it easy. I'll fight you, and you send me a champion. Your champion, your best fighter. I'll take on anybody. You send him here. He and me will fight. If I kill him, you all will be our slaves. If he kills me, we'll all be your slaves. <laughs> all the Philistines start laughing, you know, on the other side. Yeah! Send out your champion! Send out your champion! And all the Israelites, they was cowering in fear. So David hears this, and he didn't like it too much. I won't tell you, he had to go to Saul, and finally he ends up, I'll skip part of the story. He goes to Saul, and he can't use Saul's armor, so he gets down, and he said, I'll take care of this Philistine. He said, you don't have to be afraid, King Saul. Here's this little 17, 18-year-old boy. He said, the armies of Israel don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. I'll go down there and kill that giant. And they're thinking, Saul's thinking, you're, you're but a youth. He's been a soldier since he was a youth. David said, the battle is the Lord's. It's not mine. The battle is the Lord's. He said, there was a bear and there was a lion that come against me. And I smote it and delivered the sheep out of its mouth. And when the lion or the bear rose up against me, I took it by the beard and killed it. That's pretty bad. If you can catch a lion by the beard and kill it. I'm thinking, well, he's had some experience. So David, he goes down, starts going down the hill. Well, you know, Goliath, he's done got, he's tired of waiting on him now. He's probably sitting down on a rock or leaning back against the rock. And he said, come on, won't your mama let you come out and play, boys? Ah, what's wrong? He was taunting them. You know, and his shield bearer's probably sitting there beside him. And Goliath finally, he says, you know, I think we're going to have to go get something to eat. I'm getting tired of waiting on these Israelites. Punches him in the shoulder, you know. And he about falls over. He said, don't hit me so hard. So then David, about the time Goliath said, oh, it's out a big yard. And his shield bearer shakes him and says, Goliath, look. Somebody's coming. Look, there he comes. And Goliath squints his eyes. Rubs the sleeper out of his eyes. He says, and he starts getting mad. He said, that's a kid. That's a young man. He don't even have a sword. He don't have a shield. He don't have a spear. <laughs> so Goliath gets really mad. He said, am I a dog that you'll come out to me with sticks and stones and drive me away? That's all right. Come on down here and I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Ooh, that really scared David. You know what his answer was? <laughs> David took it up a notch. He said, yeah, that's what's going to happen. You come against me with a spear and a sword. I come against you in the name of the Lord. You come against me with all your taunts, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. And David said, not only am I going to kill you, then he told him, I'm going to cut your head off. And then he said, not only that, I'm going to kill the Philistines that are with you. And then Goliath said, well, he's pretty brash for a little brat. <laughs> so David goes down. He stops at the brook. Now David wasn't going to kill Goliath. Everybody said it was David and Goliath. That wasn't the whole battle. David gets down in the brook. And he picks up five smooth stones. <laughs> 
puts him in a shepherd bag. He puts one in a sling. Starts slinging it. Round and round. He gets, he starts, he gets up from the brook. He starts walking over. Then as soon as he gets across the brook, David does something that Goliath has probably never seen. The Bible says, this little David with a sling, no armor, no shield bearer, no sword, no spear, no helmet, no coat of mail, starts running towards Goliath. You know, Goliath, my oh, goodness, he, he crumbles. You hear a bunch of mail rattling, and he takes a step backwards. And all the Philistines go, <gasps> he backed up. And Goliath says, then he really gets mad. He, and they all start giggling and laughing at Goliath because he backed up. Is he scaring you, Goliath? And he turns around and says, shut up. So all the Philistines go, they was quiet then because they didn't want the giant coming after them. David takes off running towards Goliath. And when he, Goliath, I mean, he's almost in a panic. He's almost on top of me. He gives his spear and he slings it. And he's a perfect shot. He doesn't miss. And it's coming so fast and hard. Well, David jumps down, turns around and says, parkour. No, he doesn't say parkour. He jumps up, he jumps up and he keeps running towards Goliath. And Goliath, by that time, he's thinking, I missed him. You know, the spear comes flying at him like a rocket. It plows into the ground. Looks like a plow has went through there. Dirt's flying and rocks are flying. And it's sparks are coming off the rocks where the, the spear is growing across the ground. And David, he misses David. So then he gets up on him and Goliath goes to reach for his javelin. But David is too close. He's thinking, oh my gosh. He grabs for his sword. About that time, David, let's go. Let's go over rock. You know where it lands, right? Between Goliath's eyes. And the Bible said it sunk into his head. And Goliath, the Bible says, it didn't say he fell down. It said he fell on his face. He fell like a rock. Timber! And when he was falling, you know, his, his shield bearer's in front of me. He sees he falling. He runs, jumps out of the way. And Goliath hits with a thud. Dust flies up, you know. A little bit of grass flies up. And he's laying there face down. One hand on his sword. All the Philistines are shocked. Their jaws drop open. They think, what has just happened? Our, our champion can't be dead. And all the Israelites said, they start pushing. Did you see? Did you see? Did you see what happened? They can't believe their eyes. Then David, he didn't stop there. Oh, I forgot to tell you about the stones. The five stones. David wasn't going just to kill Goliath. Goliath had four brothers. What was their names? I think it was Shema, something with an L, old Ishbabinob, and old Six Toes. There was a guy who had six toes and six fingers on each hand. He was a giant. Sons of the giant. Old Six Toes. David, the reason I think he took five stones is he wasn't going to kill a giant. He was going to wipe the giants out. He wasn't taking out one. He was taking out the family. And he wasn't just taking out the giants. He was taking out the Philistines. So David gets down there and he throws that rock and when Goliath falls, everybody's in shock. Well, David don't stop. He just keeps running. He jumps up on Goliath's back. He reaches down and he starts prying his fingers loose from that sword. And he pulls out that sword and he probably has to use both hands because it's so big. And he gets over top of Goliath and he brings it down with all the might that he has. And it comes down across the neck of Goliath. Whoop! Off of his head. So Goliath is dead. For sure. He's killed twice. <laughs> That's kind of the way the Bible puts it. He's dead. 
And the Philistines don't know what to do. They're all in shock. So finally, the Israelites figure out what's happened. David gets the head, pulls the helmet off, gives him by the greasy hair, holds it up. You can imagine what that looks like. I won't describe it to you. It was the head of the giant. But it wasn't attached to his body anymore. The Israelites said, he's killed the champion. And they all start giving a real war cry now. And they go, ah, they run after the Philistines. And all the Philistines take off running. The shield bearer and all of them, their champion is dead. They have never seen nothing like this. They always depended on their champion. But their champion is dead. And David has a great victory that day. It's kind of like a... When David got done, the Bible said he took the head to Jerusalem. Excuse me. He put the armor in his tent. And he went and told his brothers and saw the king. He said, It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Well, he probably didn't say that. But he could have thought it. (laughs) So David kills the... Sometimes your life's going to be like that. Sometimes you're going to come against a giant and you're going to, or you're going to come against a bull mastiff and you're going to be like the little feist. You're going to tear their butt up. You're going to take the head off the giant and you're not only going to take the head off the giant, you're going to go after the Philistines and wipe them out or stop them and you're going to go after the rest of the giants through the rest of your life. Sometimes that's the way it is. It's great when it's that way. I've seen some victories in every one of our lives like that. But uh, sometimes that little feist dog didn't work out that way. What happened to Jesus? Let's go to the point where Jesus was in the garden praying. You know what he was praying? Oh God, let this cup pass from me. Oh God, let this cup pass from me. The Bible said he prayed it at least three times. Oh God, let this cup pass from me. He knew what was coming. He knew that they was going to take him. And that one of his friends that was brought with him, that one of his disciples was going to betray him with a kiss. And then they was going to come to him and take him in the garden. And he, Jesus was going to have such power. He's going to ask him, who are you looking for? And Jesus says, I, they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am he. And his words, his words had such power that they fell to the ground. He asked him again, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, that's me. Let these go. And they all deserted Jesus and left him. And the guards took him. And Jesus allowed them to take him. And Jesus is praying, my God. No, he's praying, Father, let this cup pass from me. He also knew that not only would they betray him, he knew that the soldiers would take him. And they would break the law over and over and over again. To give him a mock trial. And he knew they was going to take him. And the soldiers would blindfold him and beat him in the face. And say, you're a prophet. Tell me, who hit you that time? Then they would hit him in the stomach. Who hit you that time? They would smack him again. Who hit you that time? And then he knew that they was going to come. And they was going to pull his beard out by the handfuls. Then he knew they was going to take a crown of thorns, of two-inch thorns, and they was going to weave it into a crown, and they were going to mock him, and they were going to bow the knee to him, and they was going to put the crown on his head, and they was going to take a stick, and they was going to drive it down on his skull till the thorns would go in him and cause excruciating pain. And then they was going to take the robe off of him, and all the soldiers were going to spit on him. And Jesus knew that was just the beginning. Then he knew they was going to take him. 
They was going to strap him to a pole. He was going to take a cat of nine tails. It's a leather whip, short whip. It's got lead balls in it. Sometimes I had pieces of sheep bone at the end that were sharp. They were going to take that whip and they was going to beat him. And when they would beat you, it would wrap around you and they would jerk it off. And it would rip your skin. It would cut the skin open. It would cut the muscles. And sometimes they said you'd even see the internal organs. They was going to beat Jesus till he was almost dead from loss of blood. Then they was going to take him. And they was going to take him to a cross. Make him carry the top of it itself. His arms tied to it. And when he's walking, he's so weak that he can't carry the weight of the cross beam. They said weighed about 75 pounds. And he would fall, and he can't put his hands out to catch himself. So he just falls face first down on the stone pavement. And then Simon of Cyrene would carry his cross beam for him. And they would take him to a cross. The Romans were against Jesus too. They had perfected crucifixion. I think the Persians created it, invented it, then the Romans perfected it. They would put a nail in your wrist. Right here you have a nerve, a bunch of nerve endings, all your fingers. And they would either drive it through the nerves or right beside the nerves too. It would cause excruciating pain like fire burning running up and down your arm. One in this hand. One in this hand. Then they would take your feet, put you on the up part of the cross, and they would nail it through your heel into the side of the cross. And then the other heel the same way. And there you would be suspended. He knew he would be suspended there between heaven and earth. And he wouldn't be able to breathe. The Bible says that all of his bones came out of joint because it's an unnatural position for your body just to hang there. And it puts pressure on your lungs. They say you have to push up with your feet to get your body in position to where you can take in a little bit of air. And that's how they usually died on the cross by asphyxiation. So when you'd push up, there would be pain shooting and radiating up and down your legs, excruciating pain. Then it would turn your hand on the nail and you'd have the same pain in your arm over and over again, every breath you take. And Jesus saw that and he knew what was going to happen to him. And he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. Three times, Father, let this cup pass from me. Father, let this cup pass from me. He knew the pain that he was going to have to endure. And you know what? Here's what the Father told him. Here was the Father's answer. Father didn't say nothing. At the end of Jesus' prayer, He said, Not my will, thine be done. He was going to do the will of the Father if it killed Him. So they put Jesus on the cross. They did all those things to Him. And while He's on the cross... He said something else to the Father. It was so bad. Everyone had deserted Him. There was a few that came back later. Everyone had left Him. They cried crucified, who was crying Hosanna a couple of days before. And Jesus, in the maximum pain, after all this punishment, He was almost dead. He cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Here's what the Father said.
you ever feel like things just ain't going the way they're supposed to? I'm a Christian. This ain't supposed to happen to me. My children are supposed to be saved. I raised them right. My health is supposed to be good. I've been living for Jesus. My finances are blessed. I've been paying my tithes. Have you ever been there? We all have. We're all going to be there before we begin. We're going to get to the point where we're saying, My God, it even feels like God has forsaken us. And you won't hear an answer from the Father. Sometimes you'll tear up the bull mastiff. Sometimes you'll slay the giant. Sometimes you'll go to the cross. But all of your life is going to come down to one question. One question. And Jesus answered it with some of his final words on the cross. The question that all of us have to answer. And it's a simple question. Yes or no answer. The one question is, will you do the will of the Father? That's the only question we have to answer. Will I do the will of the Father? If I'm killing giants, cutting off giants' heads, taking out giants and Philistines, that's great. If I'm attacking a bull massive, it's five times my size, that's great. If I'm going to the cross and it feels like even Father has let me down, will I do the will of the Father? You're going to have both in your life. But the good news is, one of the last things Jesus said on the cross was, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. He put it all into God's hands. It may have looked like total failure, but it didn't matter. Sometimes you're going to get victory in this life. When did Jesus get victory? Did he get it while he was on the cross? No, the devil had his way. The devil thought, I've won. I've killed the Son of God. Did Jesus get his victory? God promises he would lead us, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. Be thank, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He promises you will get victory. When you're on the cross, it doesn't feel like it. Did Jesus get his victory? He did. When? After he was dead. Sometimes you get the victory in this life. There's some things you're going to keep believing God for. You may not get the victory till you're dead. Oh, but after you're dead, whew, it really gets good then. I went to India on a mission trip one time. Story four. There was a little man. We went to a leper colony. I got to lay hands on lepers and pray for lepers. We had some spectacular healings, but none of the lepers got healed that I know of. Well, one did. I think she got pregnant, but I didn't know. We weren't there long enough. And uh, another lady had terrible stomach problems, and she was healed. And her husband, come the next day, we had prayed for him in her place. He came the next day, and he was thanking us. He was so grateful because she had been in pain for weeks. He falls down at at my feet, me and Olu, because we were the ones that prayed for him. And he was thanking us. He was going, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you can't worship. You can't do that. And so I, we grab him by the arms and pick him up. We pick him up. Well, as soon as we pick him up, 
boom, right back down again, he us. I'm thinking, what do I do? I know he's just been grateful, but it looked to me like it was over, over the line. So, me and Olu, we just get down there beside him. So we're on the same level as he is. We was in India. Same trip. We went to a leper colony. Those poor people were so... You've never seen anything like it in your life. They got food by people bringing them food. Somebody had built them some houses. They had a little village there. A leper village. Some of them were... One of them looked like their feet was gone. Their shoes curled up like that because there was only had half a foot. Leprosy had ate it off. There was a lady that... Her skull was gone. Half of her skull was gone. And they looked horrendous. But the Lord started His presence poured out on that place. And she started crying and you could see the tears of joy. Well, the one that touched me the most, there was this little man, he looked like a toothpick. I mean, they had this little green buggy. It was dirty green. Looked like they had made it out of scraps of wood and put a, a wooden handle on it and put... Like used bicycle tires or something. It was rough. And this little man sat in that, like yoga style, with his feet back under him. One sticking out this way. And you could tell his legs were useless. They were skinny as round as about two or three of my fingers. There was hardly anything there. His toes were gone. His foot was curled up. His face was malformed. His hair was all disheveled. He had on look like a, a shirt. It was a raggedy shirt. He had arms that looked like it looked like a bone with skin on it. And you could see the ligaments. I mean, he was horrendous looking. He had leprosy. His hands were just palms. All the fingers had been eaten off. There was no fingers, no thumbs. He had like a little nub and a third of a finger on maybe one or two on each hand. He had one tooth left in his head and his smile was crooked. The leprosy had almost devoured him. They said, they said, Nathan, Lead us in a song. Okay. I started singing Jesus Loves Me. Simple song. Jesus Loves Me. That little man in that green wagon. <laughs> was he bitter? Was he on a cross? He'd give everything. He had nothing. If somebody didn't move him around, he didn't move. If somebody didn't set him in and out of that thing, he didn't go to the bathroom. If somebody didn't bring him something to drink, he couldn't get nothing to drink. If somebody didn't bring him food, he'd starve to death. We started singing Jesus Loves Me. That little man, he takes the palms, his nubs, he starts clapping his hands. (laughs) Then, we're singing the next verse about Jesus. He puts his hands up in the air and he hollers, Jesus, Jesus. And he was saying, Jesus. And a twinkle come in his eye and a big smile come across his face. And that man was like Jesus Christ. He had given everything. And I'm sure sometimes he probably felt like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he answered the question, yes. He answered the question, yes. Will you do the will of the Father? I don't care if this leprosy eats me till there's nothing left. I'm going to praise God. I don't care if I never get anything else to eat. If I die tomorrow, I'm going to praise God. And as far as I, that little man probably died with leprosy. The Lord didn't heal him that day. Did he get his victory? 
<laughs> Woo, he got his victory. <laughs> he got his victory after he's dead. You're going to get some of your victories on this earth. You know what that little man is doing now in heaven? He's saying, it ain't the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And that little leprous man had such a fight inside of him. He wasn't going to quit on Jesus. He wasn't going to give up. It didn't matter what he had to go through. He was going to say yes to the will of the Father. If you want me to have leprosy, I say I'm going to do your will, but I'm going to keep asking to you either heal me or kill me. It's your choice, God, but I will do the will of the Father. Just like Jesus. You can kill me on the cross or you can, you can change this. And if you don't change it, I'm going to do do the will of the Father. So you can get your victory on earth. You can get your victory in heaven. The key is, say yes to the will of the Father. Be the feist dog. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. You know, through all your trials and troubles, all the stuff you have to go through in this life. When we get to heaven, <laughs> you know who's going to be there? Jesus Christ ain't dead anymore. On the third day, he come out of that tomb. The stone was blown away, and there was like lightning coming out of that place, like the sunshine. And Jesus stepped forth in victory. And Satan was really screaming then, but it wasn't for delight. It's because he knows that he is bound to a devil's hell. And there's no way he has no escape. He has no hope. He's bound for the flames of hell. But Jesus got his victory. He is at the right hand of the Father. And he's praying for you and he's praying for me. He's ever interceding at the right hand of the Father. In the Father's glory. In the Father's throne. All power. All might. All glory. All honor. All riches. All wealth. Be unto Jesus Christ our God. He got his victory by doing the will of the Father. But he got it after he was dead. That little man. The leper from India. He's going to get his victory when he gets to heaven if he don't get it on this earth. And I think when we get to heaven, I tell you what, I hope that the Lord lets him take that little green wagon with him. Because we're going to get to heaven and we're going to get up there and we're going to say, who is that crazy man running laps around heaven? And after about the hundredth lap, you say, hey, who are you? He said, I'm the leper from India. You see my wagon I'm pulling behind me? I got another hundred years of laps to run around this place. And then we can talk about it. But I can't quit now. I'm praising the Lord. And he's got those. He don't have little nubs up now. He's got a complete hand that looks perfect. And he's saying, Jesus, Jesus. And he's singing, Jesus loves me. And his legs are little toothpicks stuck up under him. His legs are powerful like a marathon runner. And he's running laps around that heaven. He's got his victory. But he may not get it till he gets to heaven. You're going to get your victory if you say yes to the will of the Father. You'll either get it here or you get it after you're dead. But after you're dead, you're not dead. <laughs> you can't lose. When you get to heaven, I mean, what's God going to say then? Uh, well, no, you can't get healed yet. No, I'm not through. When you get to heaven, you get healed one way or the other. God's got a good plan for you. He loves you. You're a bunch of little feist dogs. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And I've seen some of your lives. I've been around here for 60 years. Actually, I got saved when I was five. No, I think, actually, I got saved. I remember somebody picking me up and smacking me on the butt. And I started crying. No, no, it was about five years after that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was a little bit later than that. <laughs> You're a bunch of little feist dogs. 
God's got plans for you that you can't imagine. And you're going to go through some good stuff and you're going to go through some hard stuff. But you have guaranteed, absolute, 100%, undeniable, perfect, absolute victory in Jesus Christ. You may die on this planet not getting your victory, but you say yes to the will of the Father. And you keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking, you keep praying. You don't give up, you don't quit, you don't stop, you don't back up. You're a little feist dog. You go after the bull mastiffs. You're David and Goliath. You go after the giants. You don't go to kill a giant, Goliath. You go to wipe the giants out. You are the sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who has never been defeated, who has never been broken, who has never been stopped, who has never been outwitted, outsmarted, outgunned, outmaneuvered. You will not fail, but you will succeed and you will accomplish what God has for you in your life. You can't lose with Jesus. I was going to say we could pray, but I think we've already prayed. But I do have this. You hear that? It's about 30 seconds. In 30 seconds. If you're watching on Facebook or anybody here, you could be dead. Where will you be? If you've confessed and believed and you said, Jesus, I believe you are Lord. I believe you rose from the dead. Save me. He will. But if you haven't, you know where the devil's at now? You know where he's going to end up? He's lost all hope. You don't want to be like him. God didn't make hell for us. He didn't make hell for you. He made it for Satan and his angels. A gunman could come in here and kill every one of us before we could get our guns drawn. Or kill most of us before we get shot back. It happened. Right here in the United States. And he didn't stop till somebody shot him. It could happen now. We could be dead in no time. You could go out here, going down the road, Car hit you. Young people die all the time. Old people die. We don't know. Where are you? You're dead. You going to heaven? You going to hell? It's our choice. I know most of you, actually all of you, I think, think we're all going to hell. God has such good plans for us. You may suffer some stuff in this life. Say yes. Will you do the will of the Father? Yeah. If you're lost and you don't know Jesus, that was just 30 seconds. That's what this life is going to feel like compared to eternity. If you don't know Jesus, give Him your heart today. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's God's words and God doesn't lie. If He said it, it's the truth because God is the truth. He can't lie. He loves us that much. And that's why Jesus went through all that. We know the rest of the story. We know that Jesus had to go through all that to pay for all the sins that we will ever commit. How would you know? God has already paid the sin that you're going to commit in the future. Jesus paid for it on the cross.
He loves you that much. That's all I have for you today.